Hello, my friends, and welcome to Cookie's Candid Conversations. This is Cookie White, and this podcast is constructed to give honest suggestions rooted in scripture to pump up your day with encouragement and fill your life with positivity. Leading up to the celebration of Easter, I am focusing the podcast this month on Jesus and the beautiful characteristics he continually displayed throughout his earthly ministry. We are in week two, as I podcast, about these various characteristics Jesus displayed. And today I want to discuss Jesus, the incredible teacher. There is something special about being a teacher. As a youngster, I always wanted to be a teacher. In fact, I would sit my younger brother in a chair in the kitchen and ask him to follow all my instructions as I placed an extra blank school paper given by my teacher in front of him. I would then diligently mark in red pencil his right or wrong answers. I just loved being the one in charge of that red pencil. My poor poor little brother, three years younger than me, he probably didn't have a clue regarding that subject matter in front of him, but he was a good sport. The most important aspect of teaching, in my opinion, is knowing how to teach. In my own college experience, I had wonderful mentors well-versed in teaching methods and with discipline issues. I often marveled at the way they used soft words of direction to bring a student or an entire classroom back to focusing on the lesson at hand. In fact, have you ever considered, because I know each one of you, just like me, have experienced good and not so good teachers, that one teacher who taught many lessons using relatable parables about everyday life to those listening? Of course, I'm talking about Jesus, and I just pray I can emulate not only his teaching style, but that calmness in his voice as he taught about God and his response even to those testing his knowledge. We were taught educationally as teachers in training to use language and examples relatable to students when introducing new material. Jesus did just that. He used examples from the daily lives of people as as launching pads to relate to the things of God. That's one of the many reasons I love the parables Jesus used in his instruction. He did so not only for the people gathering around him, but for his disciples who were learning how to deal with various personalities as they would take those messages and lessons to others. So, Let's delve into a couple of those examples. When the word of Jesus the rabbi started spreading throughout the areas in which Jesus was traveling, his disciples became very protective of their teacher. Remember, there was starting to be opposition towards Jesus as his popularity increased. This particular parable came about as children were running to Jesus, gathering all around him, as their parents crowded toward him as well. In their protective mode, several of the disciples tried holding back the children. Jesus took this opportunity to teach concerning the importance of children in the Lord's eyes 
and related a parable that merged two important and well-known examples to not only the people surrounding him, but to his disciples, children, and sheep. Stay with me. The scripture comes from Matthew 18. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. See to you, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Reiterating the first point, Jesus emphasizes how precious children are in his sight. He immediately relates the importance of children to something of importance in the daily lives of those listening. Sheep. Now you might ask, really? Children being of importance and compared to sheep? But think of it this way. You love your children. You make sure they're fed, clothed, protected, and most of all, loved. If your child went missing, wouldn't you go crazy trying to find him or her? Wouldn't countless things go through your mind about what could be happening before you found your precious little one? Especially in today's society, there are actual wolves in sheep's clothing that would love to capture a stray child. But we won't go there. You get my point. In Jesus' day, sheep were important to that society. Individuals knew about or were shepherds. Sheep were needed during the year to be used as sacrifices at the temple and to be offered a pardon for sins. Therefore, a flock was extremely important to the shepherd in providing for his family and the needs of the people. A shepherd kept kept count of his sheep. The sheep became familiar with the voice of their shepherd because he cared for them, protected them from wild animals, fed them, and actually took care of every one of their needs. And as a good shepherd, he would actively search for a lost sheep if need be. Would the listening crowd be able to understand the deeper meaning of this parable? The shepherd, well, he's God, and he will do whatever needs to be done to rescue the one of any age who needs his love and compassion the same he desires for us to demonstrate toward one another. Many of those gathered probably understood the importance of sheep and of rescuing their child if they were missing, but to realize God loves them so much he would do the same for them? Jesus was introducing into the lives of his followers a relational God, a father who loves them and would go to great lengths to bring them back into the fold. He then ends the parable with the rejoicing in heaven that occurs when one has chosen to follow him. Just as a parent would rejoice when finding a lost child or a shepherd in discovering the location of a lost sheep. A beautiful lesson wrapped in language that is soft and kind, not full of wordage. You need a dictionary to figure out what the word means to understand, but 
also not language that indicated the speaker is so well educated that that person should not be questioned. I'm moving on to the second parable. It occurs when the disciples were taken to the temple and watched the offerings that were being placed in the treasury. It takes place in Luke 20. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury, and he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, why would Jesus take his disciples to the temple to watch his people place their offerings in the treasury? Well, giving is important to keep the temples of that day functioning. Functioning, excuse me. How plainly Jesus spoke through this example on the truth of giving. Give out of your heart, not to be noticed, but with willingness to love the Lord. I'm afraid giving isn't on many radars these days but we are to give out of God's blessings to us. Many don't like to be told how much to give, and I agree, no one should be forced into giving. However, a tithe is needed to aid in the ministries of the churches, their staff, and the expenses of keeping the structure in good working order. But more importantly, a tithe, which in Hebrew means a tenth, is from our heart and should be used for the building of the kingdom of God. God wants an open, giving nature, and this woman gave of all she had because she loved God. If we give with a bad attitude or just showboat to be seen by other people, well, you might need additional instruction on giving. Tithing is not an obligation. It's a gift to our Lord for all he has done and continues to do for us. The woman in this story seems to have given all she had. And does this mean we need to sell all our possessions and give all the proceeds to God? Not unless God is instructing you to do so. And if he is, I think you're going to know it. I am sure as I sit here today that the woman in this story did not go hungry. God is the giver of life. And this woman was blessed by her offering because of her actions. And Jesus taught an important concept to his disciples by using it. It's not up to us to figure out how God answers our needs, our prayers, and our concerns. We just need to follow his lead. You will be blessed beyond measure. In fact, Jesus brought the message home to the disciples when he had them to go out two by two and not take anything with them. No extra clothes, no extra sandals, no extra food. He was demonstrating that when God sends you out or instructs you to step out in faith, he will provide for you. If he did that for the disciples, what makes us think he won't do it again? Lord God, thank you for this time to go through just a couple of the parables that Jesus spoke about. Help us to know, Lord, that you are there with us all the time, everywhere, and that we should give a portion of our our first fruits back to you. You're the giver of life. Every breath we breathe, every step we take, we thank you, Father, for being our Lord and for gently teaching us and nudging us about how we're supposed to live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Folks, before I say goodbye, I want to mention this. I haven't throughout all these podcasts mentioned that I have some devotional books, but I did put a book together where I taught about these parables of Jesus and all the stories of the Bible, mostly stories from the Old Testament and how they relate to our lives. If you'd like a copy of that book, it can be found on Amazon and it's entitled, And I Heard God Whisper, I'm Still Here. If you need assistance finding it, I have some at home. So send me a message, we'll connect. And as always, (laughs) I'll see you next time.